The title of the sermon today is Solid Rock. And anyway, if you're joining with us online or, or you follow us on the Oakton app, uh, the sermon notes will again be on the Oakton app. And you can go through these uh, points with us. The Lord is dealing with me right now, so we may vary a little bit today. But, but again, you can follow along on that. And we uh, thank you for coming out today. And uh, we know it's a busy time of year. When I first got to church today, I wondered if we had a day of, or a week of vacation scheduled when I saw there wasn't as many cars as normal. But, but we filled up nicely, so I appreciate uh, all of you coming in today, and and we do have a lot of people on vacation today. Keep those in prayer. Uh, uh, Joe's on vacation, and the Dums, and several others that that lead ministries here. And it's been neat to see people step up and fill their holes. So we appreciate that today. But anyway, we're going to be reading from Matthew sixteen thirteen, and actually, I preached on this last week at Carthage, but I'm not preaching anything close to what I preached last week. But uh, the Lord's been kind of dealing with me some more on this. But, but Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that's key, and, and, and again, the Lord's kind of pushed me another direction now, but, but even in that, but who do you say I am is key. Just in, the, just in the raising your hand today, just in saying who Jesus is makes a difference. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And again, we see that as he recognized who Jesus was. And, and he listened to the Father in heaven, and it touched his life. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And the first point I wanted to share today is Jesus is the rock. And as we looked at the, the, the reading here today, it's funny that Jesus said on this rock, Peter, man, I will build my church. When it's obvious in the scripture that the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, 2 Samuel 2.22 tells us. Psalm 62.6 goes on to say, he only, is my, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. And, and we realize that the word says that Jesus is the rock, but, but in, in the end, Jesus saying that we are the rock. And I was thinking about that this week, that that could maybe be confusing to people, but yet it shouldn't be. And as I was praying about it, the Lord took me to Ephesians chapter 2, 19 and 22. And the Lord helped me understand through the Apostle Paul. And if you want to turn there to Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. 
The scripture says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. And what the Lord really put on my heart to this week is that we need to remember that Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the, the rock bed, I think some interpretations say, say for all people to be saved, but, but yet for all people to be touched and allow the Lord to touch them throughout their life. Peter is that foundation rock in verse 20, and on his confession of Jesus, he would build the temple. And that's what we need to understand today, that Jesus is the rock, but on our confession of him, it makes us solid rocks to tell others about Jesus Christ, to, to build the temple as it is said today. So Jesus is a cornerstone rock for all people to be saved. Peter is a foundational rock on his confession. Jesus would build the church. And then we're going to get into a little bit later, but the Holy Spirit is the cement mud that strengthens and solidifies the building. And, and that's, again, the, the, the Lord put this on my heart so strong today, and, and I'm kind of leaning that way a little bit now, but we get through life and, and, our, and our foundation doesn't seem, you know, some of the hands that raised today don't seem like maybe they see Jesus like they can. And maybe they don't feel Jesus. I could say that the last couple of weeks that, that I've had to really focus in on Jesus because of trying to understand everything that's happened in my own life. And so your life can get shaken a little bit. But when we recognize that Jesus is the cornerstone and that, that Jesus by salvation brings us in to that body and then by our confession of him, he moves through our life. And I was going to get into, through that confession of him, we bring other people to Christ. But also today, this is where the Lord's telling me some of you need to hear today. By your confession in him, he can move the mountain that's in your life today. Some of you may be struggling like the family that lost this young girl. They may be, their world turned up right, upside down now, but, but Jesus is the cornerstone if they're believers, Jesus is a cornerstone of their life. And when we confess in him, he brings us in into his temple. In other words, he's building the temple. He's building the house of God physically and spiritually in us. And some of us today need to be reassured that, hey, Jesus is in control. Jesus has got this. And, and guys, we need to, to be uh, very intentional about this throughout our life. I'm really going to chase the rabbit now, but I feel led to do it. But, um, but um, I'm trying to make sure I'm doing the right thing here. But, but several years ago, when, um, um, and again, this is a trusting God story, when we don't feel like trusting God or not sure about things, 
But when my brother uh, called me, I think it's been eight to ten years ago, and, and actually came by and told me that he would be moving back to Lamar and, and be taking the Assembly of God church. And anyway, uh, did it bother me? And my flesh, it screamed. My flesh screamed loud because Mark was a worship leader and led half of you to Christ probably over the several years that he had been at Oakton. And, and anyway, that ground me a little bit in my flesh just for a little bit. And I looked at Mark and I said, Mark, if God's called you to do what you're doing, then what say do I have? I trust you. Even when my flesh didn't want to, my flesh took offense, my flesh got upset, but I chose at that moment to kill it. And, and anyway, um, I said, Mark, I'll support you and, and, and we'll do whatever we can to help you. And, and I'm not saying that I didn't second guess that from time to time, that, that, you know, the devil didn't attack me with that from time to time. But, but I can remember when he took the position, he couldn't come here as quick as he needed to. I know Pastor Dad preached in there, and, and I preached in there. We did everything that we could to come along with that, maybe even when we didn't feel like it sometimes, refusing to take offense, refusing to say, I'm not going to allow the enemy a foothold. And again, that wasn't that big a deal. I mean, it, at times I thought about it. But I remember him telling me that one of the reasons that he felt he came back, that the Lord told him to get his house in order and that he needed to put things together and, and all that stuff. And, and he told me other reasons why, which I won't mention today. But, but then about, oh, a year and a half ago, it, no, actually, that may have been this winter, we got a call from Mark. And anyway, I was at Toys R Us parking lot in, in uh, Joplin, Missouri, and and anyway, he said that, that they would like to bring Parker on staff at the, the church in Lamar. And anyway, uh, when my aunt passed away, she gave uh, her estate, uh, divided it up three ways. And a third went to Oakton, and a third went to Kansas City, and a third went to the Lamar Assemblies of God. And anyway, uh, when Kansas City didn't have a pastor, then, then that monies would come to Oakton. And so we were getting a significant amount of money each month and had been for probably eight or nine years. Anyway, he called and said that they'd like to bring Parker on staff and would, would it be okay because Aunt Shay put me over this part and him over that part and Kansas City and him over it all. And I said, well, Mark, is that what the Lord told you? And, and again, my flesh was grinding against me because we had just brought Joe and Heather on and I was kind of counting on that a little bit. And, and anyway, but again, had to choose not to take offense and, and choose not to be upset. And it was just for a few seconds there and just for a few minutes, but I remember the day. And, and anyway, uh, the minute that I released and said, it's okay, we had an hour and a half conversation on how to, you know, ideas on, uh, you know, Kit, you've done this before. What was your ideas on this? What's your ideas on that? And we worked together on it. And, and any, that way, um, when you get hit with things that shock you and you say, well, those may not be that big of things, but they were to me at the time. But, but again, I'm not lifting me up because my flesh crawled. Guys, I'm no hero. I'm no saint. 
I have the same struggles and the same uh, thoughts go through my head that a lot of you do because we're fighting the same enemy. And, but anyway, choosing not to give into it completely, uh, choosing not to let it rule my life, now I can see why it happened. And I praise God that when my world looked shook up, that I chose to be faithful to Jesus even when I didn't feel like it. Meaning faithful to not be offended. Faithful to not uh, let anything come between me and my brother. Faithful when it didn't feel right. And I promise you, when years go by, and you look back and see that if you're faithful to God, he's going to bless you. And he's going to bless you. And, and in this case, it blessed Mark's family. And, and anyway, Parker's there to fill in the shoes now. And, and I praise God for his Holy Spirit that when I don't feel like it, and when I don't want to follow him, that, that I can come against my flesh in Jesus' name and know that the Lord's got my back. But I talked about it a few weeks ago, and maybe I didn't, but I forget where I preach things at time. But so many times we get hard on ourselves. Uh, we make the right decision, but we're so ugly inside, we, we beat ourselves up. And, and, and guys... There may be a period of that, that you're fighting your flesh, trying to, to let God be king of your life, and it may not feel good, but that doesn't mean you're bad. It means you're working through it. And so I want to challenge you today, that, uh, and we jumped and chased a rabbit there, but, but uh, I wasn't planning on saying that at all today. That, I believe that we need to hear today that when life, it doesn't matter what it is, that when life gets shaky... That, that we can build on the cornerstone that's Jesus Christ. That we can build upon him and, and by choosing him by salvation. And, and we can set in there. And he's going to continue to work in our lives. And so anyway, this message is so important. On Really what I'm building or wanted to preach on today is because there's people out there in the world that, that they need Jesus. And they need a touch of Jesus upon their life. And, and we've got that inside of us. If you're a believer here, you have what people need. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell Peter on this rock. The believer, the confession of the believer, I will build my church. On this rock, God will build his church. And, and again, going over to the, the, the Ephesian scripture, but Jesus is that cornerstone for all people to be saved. Peter and the disciples, the prophets, were the foundation of the confession that Jesus is Lord. And upon those confessions, the church would be built. And so you go in and you begin to follow Peter. And, and Peter in Acts chapter 2, we see this come into play. We see that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and the word of God came over him and he began to preach the gospel. He began to confess Christ as Lord, confess Christ through sermon and preaching to the point that the people were shaken 
in Acts chapter 2, 37, 38, 39, said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, repent, be water baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's seeing this action taking place. The base, the foundation is Jesus. And we are the rocks, the people, the, 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 the foundation, the people that confess him. And when we do that, as it was that day, 3,000 people were saved. You know, 3,000 pe- men exactly were saved. And so we could say that maybe 15,000 with women and children were saved. So you see that the temple was being built on the rock, which is Jesus, but through the confessions of you and I, the people. And because of that confession, other people be saved, and we're building the church, the temple. And that's what God has called us to do, that the people are hurting out there, and we're dancing around it instead of saying and sharing and confessing Jesus will help you out here. Jesus will help you through these offenses. But we need to get that in our heart. And I chased some uh, historical things. And, but in 1894, and this is straight from our Oakton records here, we see that, that Oakton did not exist in 1893. But, but we see that a man and a people recognized Jesus as a cornerstone, that Oakton could be a foundation that could confess and build the temple of God. And a church didn't exist here in 1893, but in 1894, and this is straight from the Oakton records, needing a place to meet and worship, the families of Oak Grove undertook the momentous, momentous task to establish a church. The property was secured on a, a quick claim deed from Joseph S. Pigall for the consideration of a dollar. The property was valued at $1,200. And it was decided by John Benner, John McManus, and D.K. Bruner as trustees for use and benefit of ministry and membership of the Methodist Episcopal Church of the United States of America. People felt that nudge. In their community, there wasn't a church, and, and Oakton had probably a lot more going on then than it does now as far as businesses. But, but they saw a need and they said, we need a place to worship. We have the foundation, Jesus. We have or that cornerstone, Jesus, and the foundation of our faith, and we confess him, we can build a temple. We see later on in the records that from those records, it was determined that Leon M. Thompson, Reverend Leon M. Thompson, was pastor of Oakton Church in Iantha during 1894 and 1895. When Oakland and Iantha built the first churches, both groups have been discussing building for some time, but maybe Pastor Thompson was the spark that set the commitment to growth in motion. And that's what I believe the Spirit's trying to tell us today is we got this great faith. We got this great cornerstone, Jesus Christ, a foundation that we build on. And through our confession, we can continue to build the foundation of this church, the temple. And I recognize that picture's a building, but it took people to need the building for it to happen. And God is calling us that we are that spark. We are that Reverend Thompson that recognized the power and authority of Jesus, and we need to go 
go build the kingdom of God. And that takes us into point two, go rock the world for Jesus. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Confess the gospel. Preach Jesus as Lord. Matthew 28, 19 says, there, go therefore thou and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are we that spark today? Are we that spark that in saying, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss that you can come in and hey, I'm sorry about that, but Jesus is Lord and he can touch your life. Jesus is Lord. I, I'm, I'm sorry about your sickness, but, but hey, Jesus is Lord. Are you that spark today? Are you that confession that Jesus wants to build his church on? Are you that confession when you see somebody manipulated and, 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 and just bound by demons that you say, oh, they got a discipline problem or oh, they got this or oh, they've got that instead of starting to pray for them and say, I come against you, devil, in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and read Mark 16, 15 and further because it tells five things that Jesus empowers us to do and one of them is to cast out demons, to heal the sick. You have been empowered. Is that spark in you? We need to become like the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 19, 9, 19. For though I am free from all, in other words, I'm saved, I can go to heaven, but I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Is that us here today? Are you that spark that, you know, I feel it in my bones and I just want to tell others about Jesus or are we that one that just wants to coast and just, just get the benefits. Peter himself went on to talk about how the church needed to be prepared to go rock the world. First Peter three fifteen says, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. What Peter was saying is that, that you're going to move people. That if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's moving in your life, you're going to move people and they're going to say, what is it that's different about you? And you have that opportunity to share your faith. But we need to be prepared to share our faith at all moments, at all times. Are we excited today? Or are we wanting to be that spark of faith? Are we back there saying, Lord, choose me, choose me. I, I want you to use me, choose me. Well, guys, John 15, 16 says he already has. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Appointed here means decided beforehand to equip and furnish all your needs to accomplish winning people to Christ. Choose me. Christ already has. He's not only chose you, he's equipped you to accomplish what you're called to do. We're here to build the kingdom of God. We're here to plant the seed. As I look around today, I took some pictures of the cornfields, and I'm thinking, man, one corn seed made these cornfields. I got curious, and I got to looking, and I thought, 
I wonder how many kernels are in an ear of corn. Well, there's no way you can count them, Larry. I went through half your cornfield out there a day ripping and shucking trying to count. No, I'm kidding you. I didn't. I thought about doing that, but I think I didn't want to get shot. But no. Uh, but I Googled it, and uh, the Iowa Corn Growers Association said the number of kernels per ear can vary from 500 to about 1,200. A typical ear has about 800 kernels, according to the corn experts. Imagine how many kernels are found in an acre of corn. One seed. One seed produces up to an average of 800 kernels. Man, that ought to move us today that Jesus says that that we need to produce Christians, that we need to bear fruit, and he's equipped us and anointed us to win souls. And this is the heart of what the Lord really put on my heart this week, that, that he's challenged me to challenge you that we got kind of tied up in a lot of other things going on in our world. Are we still freshly seeking? Are we sparking and wanting to be sparked to bring others to Christ? And so the Lord put on my heart, and I challenged Oakton, and I'm calling it the Oakton Challenge that we win 100 souls to the kingdom before the end of the year. No cheering? Nobody? You're not sparked by that? Well, I got a little bit. There you go. We got to do a little bit. But guys, if we thought about that, one person could accomplish that. But I look around here today, and I know there's at least 100 people in here, probably closer to 200. I know there's people watching online, but say there is just a hundred that are paying attention today. All you'd have to do is lead one person to Christ and we would meet that goal. And again, it's not about uh, uh, goals and all that, but we need to keep things before us to press us to realize the importance of telling others about Jesus Christ. I have made myself a servant that I might win more to Christ. That I might win more to Christ. Point three, rock solid soul winners. So how, how can we be this rock solid soul winner? And I read a blog this week by Exponential, and this is a group that I've been kind of following some, and they're really good, but, but I didn't, I kind of took some of their ideas, but I'll just give credit there a little bit. But first thing is create space for the Holy Spirit. I believe the keys to the kingdom and the power that was loosed for binding or the power was loosed for binding and loosing was because of the Holy Spirit. I believe that when Peter preached that first sermon, it stemmed from Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So the Holy Spirit was given and came upon Peter. And so we see this great move of God. And I want to challenge you to to start reading through the Acts of the Apostles. Because anything that happened in the Acts of the Apostles can happen to you when you're baptized and moving out in the Holy Spirit. And we need to look at it that way. We need to look at it that that 3,000 could be saved in one day because of our confession of faith. 
That that spark that Peter had could, could raise the lame man that, that Peter or Jesus walked by for 40 days or years ahead. But as we read the book of Acts, we'll see how the early church created space for the Holy Spirit through worshiping, laying on of hands, prophesying, practicing words of knowledge with each other, anticipating God to heal. But we just see awesome, beautiful things that were accomplished by the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. Now, the Lord's hitting me now that a lot of people say that you don't need the Holy Spirit and went out with the apostles. But, but I can tell you that, that this foundation may be strong like it is, but when you mud it with the Holy Spirit, it's even stronger. And guys, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we need to, to make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to create space for the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you go back to the church of 1894, when you look at that picture, uh, we see that, that visions and dreams, if you will. And you're like, how can you see it from that picture, visions and dreams and, of this early church? I, I believe that the founding fathers of Oakton created a space for the Holy Spirit. And I believe that they heard and they listened and then, and they were, I wonder, where, did God even show them where they would be in 20 years or 30 years? But they created a space and said, hey, we need a worship place. We need this. We need that. We, we created a place. And through rough times and through rough seasons, like when you go back and read the records, that I think the numbers went to like 60, 64 and then during World War II, they dropped down into the low 40s or high 40s in that ballpark because men were at war, women were working in the factories. But we see that, you know, the trends that would go up and down through that time, but, but they were obviously creating a space for the Holy Spirit because we exist today. But I tell you to look in the background of the picture that's behind me. You see... I know in the 1980s, two churches existed here in Oakton when I was in high school. And now this church was gone in the 80s and we had the, the new church. But, but that church back in over there was the Oakton, or actually Oak Grove Baptist Church. And the reason our name is Oakton and the Oak Grove Cemetery is still Oak Grove Cemetery. When we applied for licensing, if you will, or whatever, there's already another Oak Grove United Methodist Church. And so we had to change it to Oakton. So that's why we're Oakton and they're Oak Grove. But we see that they created a space for the Holy Spirit to not let nothing stop them from being what God's called them to be. But as I looked, it may be hard to hear today. And I, I even hesitated to say it, but, but to me, it's fact. That other church is gone now, doesn't exist now, and the land was donated to the cemetery. They apparently didn't create a space for the Holy Spirit and I can feel the darts now because I feel them from myself, but, but it's the truth. When we create a space for the Holy Spirit in our life, Jesus will move. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. If God called us to build a church and we're creating a space for the Holy Spirit and being obedient to the Holy Spirit, 
God's going to keep that place going. But I just got to thinking. It just was really getting with me. Have we created a, a space for the Holy Spirit to speak in us? Is he showing us these unbelievable things that, that maybe we don't understand or, or maybe we can't see working or, or see happening? But I ask you, with the open church of 1894, believe we're a church of this size? Would they believe that we were online today? Would they believe that we had a satellite church in Carthage, that we were united with the Spanish church and doing church together? There probably wasn't even a Spanish person around in the community then. Would they believe that, that, that we would have a satellite church in Golden City? That's why it's so important that we create a space for the Holy Spirit so that he can give us dreams and visions and show us how to spark the world for Jesus. Our minds won't comprehend the things and the, the powerful things that God wants to do in our lives. And I believe because we do create a space that in 128 years, Oakton 2150 will be talking about us if Christ hadn't returned by then. Is that our prayer? Is that our heart that we're seeking God for to a fresh story? Because we have a fresh story to tell. Nothing builds culture in the, faster in the community or in our churches than the fresh stories we celebrate. When we start celebrating stories of the Spirit moving in our church, we will experience Christian growth. Fresh stories are how the Holy Spirit is working in your life. I don't mean a story 30 years ago. I mean a fresh story. What is the, you've made space for the Holy Spirit. What's he doing in your life? I realize we don't, we, 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 well, let me back up. I take God for granted. You guys are above that. You don't, you realize all the great things God does for you and, and you tell about the fresh stories. But my heart got pricked on this the other day. Uh, I got a call from the, the Missouri Methodist magazine for an interview and, and they, I guess all the district superintendents got together and the bishop wanted to know what churches in Missouri thrived from COVID until now and, and, and prospered. And I guess Oakton's name was brought up and we're one of the three or four churches that they're featuring in this article. And when I got the note and I looked at that and I drew a blank, I'm thinking, did we prosper? What, what did we do? And, and so many times we forget what the Lord is doing in our life and, and, and we don't give him credit and we don't because I don't think we tell that fresh story enough. I just don't think we share what God's doing enough in our life to the point that I've been dealing with this for months. I'm trying to journal something fresh God has done in my life every day, and he does. But again, I was doubting here, and, and I got nervous because I'm not good under pressure, and, and I called the guy, and, and, and as we began to talk, as Fred and I began to talk, this little short interview 
an hour and a half later, I was still rambling on about what God's doing at Oakton, and it was all fresh. I'm really curious what he's going to print, because I don't know how he could keep up, because the Lord, I thought, oh yeah, and then does this happen? Oh yeah, this happened. And, all, and these were great things that the Lord had done because we created a space for his Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and we do have a fresh story to tell. Oh man, do we have a fresh story to tell. Man, I could go on. I thought, Joe, you did a great job. I even told you last week. We need, this is before the sermon, but we need to tell the fresh stories. Joe got up and shared how the youth and the children's and the, the revivals and the salvations and the one camp and, and all the things we're doing with children and youth. And that was neat to hear how God was moving. But, but last week we kicked off our, our, our Carthage church services all come together. We're all one now. It's been a 10-year goal. And my faith was believing for 40 or 50 and we had 70 in person. And online, there was many more. Give the Lord praise for that. We celebrated Golden City's one-year anniversary. And, and you may look and say, well, they only averaged 17 this month. And they only had nine last week. But guys, two people have been baptized in that church this last year since we did that. Give the Lord praise. I tell you what, if you weren't at the 4th of July celebration, you missed out. There were so many guests that, again, I set my chair down thinking I would just enjoy the evening. But just making the rounds, I never got back to my chair. We had a lot of guests that came out for the 4th of July celebration. And our testimony, our confession could have been something that sparked them. We had an opportunity. Three people are getting baptized July 31st at our celebration Sunday. But guys, I can go on and on and on. If you really want to hear uh, uh, one that, that, that's blessing me to this day, was Mark's funeral. This church was full. The foyer was full. The hallways were full. We were figuring 550 or more that were in this facility. There was over 2,600 views online. That's huge. And the message of God was preached. Life was preached. But guys, the pastor in me, you know what I thought looking at that? That should be Oakton every Sunday. Every one of those people, could, or 70% of those people could be here every Sunday. A lot of them don't have a church home. Are we given a fresh message of what God's doing here? Or, oh, that pastor can't. He's, he's a dweeb. He's been there 20 years. Or are you getting out there and saying, man, we got VBS this weekend or this coming week. And man, them girls and guys have been working hard and, and we're freshly telling about Jesus. Right. And then three, we need to pray, 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 and pray, 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 and pray some more. Their number one way to create an empowerment called, empowered culture is to pray, pray for it. Prayer is the language of the Holy Spirit, and we must, we must learn to speak his language. Prayer is the central role we must play as believers. Prayer must become an everyday, long-game strategy of building culture. Romans eight twenty six says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, 
for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Pray, guys. We need to be people of prayer. Pray for yourself. Man, we need to pray. For, you know, the Lord convicted me of this years ago. We pray for everybody but ourselves. Well, if you're heading on, how are you going to help anybody else? Pray for yourself. Pray for your relationship. Pray for your spouse, your family, your children. Pray for the church. You know, cover the areas that you're involved in with prayer. Uh, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in, in, in the same way as I do Sunday. Lord, what do you want to do here Sunday? Lord, I want you to do your thing at church Sunday, not my thing. And that's the way we need to be praying over ourselves and our families and that we yield and hear the deep words groaning in our spirit from God because he's speaking to each and every one of us. Pray for your community, your job, your nation, your world, your president. You know, as I thought about this the other day, I was... uh, uh, battling a thing myself, but a lot of you may think that you don't have anything to pray for. How many of you just got flung upset when you heard that the fuel going to China? You have nobody heard that? That we're giving our oil reserves to China? We're giving our oil reserve to France? We're giving our oil reserve to Italy? I believe there's three of them. And I had to check it out, but I was faunching at the bit you know, why are we doing that? I just paid triple the price I usually pay for gas. And he's giving it to a country that I believe wants to see us dead. And I didn't want to get political. I, I be honest with you, I got to Facebook and started to type. You know what the Lord spoke to me? Pray. Pray for your president. We can't complain, we can't gossip unless we've prayed about it. And then you'll find out you probably will stop complaining and gossiping. Anyhow, I thought that was good. But Four, get outside the church and your comfort zone. Um, Most of the sermons, and I'd say almost all the sermons, I didn't have time to investigate it, but most of the ministry that was done in Acts was done outside the church. So get outside the church, out of your comfort zone, and tell that fresh story of Jesus Christ. When I was writing this, it was 725 last night, and this hummingbird came and hovered like right there. The point where I'm like, should I slot it? Is it going to poke me in the eye? What do I do here? But it was so cool to see it. It was beautiful. And, and it was so cool. So I'm over here reaching for my camera to capture the moment. And the next thing, boom, it's gone. And mom told me this morning only anointed people have that type of experience. <laughs> She's shaking her head. We text each other, all of us brothers text each other back and forth, and that was one we text today about. But it was beautiful. But that's the way the Holy Spirit is. When we get alone, man, when we get to praying and get outside our comfort zone and, and really seeking the Lord, that Spirit comes in and it's hovering right there, and it's beautiful. 
And I believe the Lord was confirming all these things that I've said today by that experience. At first, this may feel uncomfortable, meaning getting outside your comfort zone and just saying, can I pray with you? Or, you know, I'm a Christian and I want to help you. But building culture requires repetition and practice. And after you keep meeting, praying, seeking, and waiting on God, he will show up and minister through you. God's called each and every one of you, and you got a great opportunity. And I'm going to close with that today because it's, uh, I already cut the sermon in half and was going to do the second half next week, so I'll finish up the next point I had next week and then go into what I believe the Lord's trying to tell us. But if the praise team could come forward today. But we need to recognize that Jesus is the rock. And, and guys, again, try to stay focused on me for a bit because this is the important part of the service, that, that Jesus is the rock. And if you're not saved today, then you need to see, receive the rock. And you need to ask Jesus to come into your life. He's going to be the cornerstone to, your, to everything you are. And you can connect with him and begin to build upon that. And he's going to move upon your life. And then you can, too, go rock the world. How many of us are standing and watching, you know, uh, watching people instead of just saying what's on our heart? Uh, just like earlier today when I shared that personal point, uh, the things going through my mind, the enemy was saying, don't play off your brother's deal. Well, it upset your mom and dad. Well, Ken, to see this will upset her. And that's the things I was weighing out is I don't want to use that to exploit, exploit that to accomplish something, but I believe the Lord wanted us to recognize that he's with us all the time. And we need to get out of our comfort zone and share those moments that God touched our lives, these fresh things that could move upon somebody else's life that would help them. And we need to be rock-solid soul winners. Create space for the Holy Spirit. Tell the story. Pray, pray, pray. Then get outside the church and your comfort zone. The last one that I skipped and we'll get into next week is overcome missed opportunities, and that'll preach for an hour because I think we miss a lot of opportunities. I, I can tell you that I have just this week. And the Lord convicted me of it. I need to be more intentional. So let's stand to our feet today. And uh, we'll pick up this next week about being more intentional. But, but where are you at in your walk today? If you're not saved, then you need to come and get saved. If you're not water baptized, we're going to do that at the end of the month. But you need to be faithful in water baptism. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to do that. And it's simply just like salvation. Just ask, believe, and the Lord will fill you for us full of his spirit. But guys, we need to make, a key is we need to make space for the Holy Spirit. And that could be in salvation, that could be in rededication, that could be in a healing, that could be in deliverance. Whatever we need, we need to make space for the Holy Spirit to touch our lives. And quit grumbling and complaining and just say, here I am, Lord. So that's the altar call today. If you need prayer, I'll be up here, and, and Pastor Joe and Heather will be. And let's just come and.